one guy said to me when I said, you know, sorry, bud, it's not working out. One guy said to me, he said, you know, Mark, sooner or later, you have to do the work. And then you know how um, you hear a bad song on the radio and you can't get out of your head for days and days. Man, I just heard it was everywhere I went. I just heard sooner or later, you have to do the work, you know, sooner or later, you have to do the work until finally I just gave in and said, fine. Right. Um, And I started doing the work. That was Mark Goodson. And this is the Share Podcast. It's time for the Share Recovery Podcast, where we bring you amazing life-changing success stories from addicts and alcoholics all over the world who share their inspiring journey in recovery. And now, here's your host, Oh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Share Podcast. And today, we have Mark Goodson joining us on the show. And many of you will recognize that name because Mark is such an active participant in the Share Recovery Network. He's posting in there all the time. He's got his own website. He's a writer. He's a blogger. It's called The Miracle of the Mundane. But the last thing Mark is, is mundane. He's amazing. We had such a great conversation He's got an unbelievable story that parallels mine. It just blew my mind. I know you're absolutely going to love it. And as you guys know, I love interviewing members of the Share Recovery Network. So without further ado, let's dive into Mark's story. But first, a quick message from our sponsors. Are you ready to take control of your business, family, and personal life? Are you ready to get clear, get focused, and get results now? Are you ready to boost your confidence through the roof? Well, it's time to level up and add passion, fulfillment, and purpose back into your life right now. My name is Omar Pinto, and I am a certified NLP life coach specializing on enhancing your business, family, and personal life, as well as a certified peer-to-peer recovery specialist who specializes in addiction recovery. Let me show you how to create balance, harmony, and success into your life daily. Go to www.omarpinto.com and schedule a free consultation with me today. Today's episode of the Share Podcast is brought to you by the Share Recovery Community. The Share Recovery Community is our new online recovery resource that offers online recovery meetings as well as peer-to-peer recovery support and coaching that will enhance your journey in recovery. If you find it difficult to make regular meeting attendance in your area, or are unable to find the recovery meetings that fit your needs, then the Share Recovery Community is the perfect place for you. And the best part is you can try out the Share Recovery Community for the introductory rate of only $1 in the first month. And after that, it's only $12 a month. That once again include live online meetings, peer-to-peer support, and recovery coaching. So for more information about this amazing recovery resource, Go to www.thesharepodcast.com. Go to the top of the navigation bar and click on the button that says Share Recovery Community. And join the Share Recovery Community for only $1 today. And if you'd like to contribute to the Share Podcast by putting a dollar in the virtual basket, then go to www.thesharepodcast.com. Go to the top right corner of the page and click on the button that says Donate and drop a dollar in the basket today. And if you'd like to access another free resource as powerful or even more powerful than the Share Podcast, 
then join us in the Share Recovery Network. It is our free private Facebook group that is active 24-7 from people all over the world. If you're seeking recovery, then go to Facebook, go to the search bar, type in S-H-A-I-R, Recovery Network, and join this free recovery resource today. And if you haven't done so already, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's one of the best ways to show your support for the podcast. Now a quick message from Transitions Daily and then on to the show. Would you like to join a free anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret Facebook group for discussion? Then go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about Transitions Daily. And don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends, in meetings, and with sponsees in recovery. Hey, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here, Oh, Thanks for having me. Dude, I am so excited to have you on the show, man. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. All right. I love yeah. it. All right, folks. This is such a treat. I always enjoy interviewing members of the Share Recovery Network. Uh, Mark has been a super, super active member in the group for years now. Um, he's a writer. He's a blogger. As a matter of fact, uh, Mark, his website, The Miracle of the Mundane, um, and I read it in the About Us section, quotes the definition of the word mundane. So Merriam-Webster, through its definition of the mundane, defines ordinary life as dull. I find all ordinary life to be a miracle. My tro- poetry, essays, and creative nonfiction exalt the everyday. Writing has made being sober more than just being sober. I invite you to follow this blog and connect with me on social media and join me in discovering what makes the ordinary so extraordinary and the mundane miraculous. I absolutely love that, man. I, mm-hmm. I, it's just a beautiful, it's short, it's sweet, and it's all about what our life becomes and what right. so many addicts and alcoholics are terrified of. So terrified of. Absolutely no, terrified I mean. of it. Oh, man. Made me shiver in my boots thinking about a normal life with a mortgage and a wife and a steady job. That was the last thing I wanted. Well, the cool thing is that now I, I look at, for example, I look at your life. You have a beautiful family, right? You got two kids, right? Two kids, yeah. What are the ages? Five and two. Actually, she just turned three. Five and three. You know, yeah. the cool thing is we get to watch, you know, our families grow up on Facebook, which yeah. is always which is always fun. And and the thing is, you know, we, we talk about worrying about life being mundane. And I look at the po- the photos of you and your family and they're just gorgeous, right? And it just looks like life is wonderful. Happiness yeah. and joy and love. Right. It, it seems the furthest thing from mundane to me. Yeah, no, that's exactly what the the blog is about. It's trying to capture those moments that are so much more than just everyday boring moments. Um, and I found, yeah, my life with my family has been the greatest gift that uh, I have ever received. Um, and I would not receive that gift if I weren't sober. So, um, you know, the uh, yeah, the idea for a blog was just embracing what I used to run from. Um, and uh, I can, I just never find a, a sh- you know, the ideas just are constantly coming because life continues to amaze and baffle me. You know, the simple joys of life just continue to uh, make it, you know, really worth living and loving. 
Man, I love it. So we're going to definitely talk about what inspired you to launch uh, Miracle of the Mundane. Uh, but first, tell us a little bit about what your normal daily routine looks like, including recovery. So uh, I have things every week that I look forward to. Um, I play pickup basketball a couple nights a week. You know, I have a writer's group that I go to. Um, you know, I attend 12-step meetings. Uh, I go out to eat with newcomers, old-timers, and sobriety. Um, so my week is, is, is always pretty filled. Uh, I have a pretty needy social schedule, as my wife can attest to. Um, <laughs> and I'm just very grateful that she can accommodate me. Uh, I think she might know just how crazy I become when I don't get to have these outlets, you know? Yes. Um, but on a, on, a, on a daily routine, uh, I'm the first person up in the house, usually the last to bed, too. But I find that um, if I get up early, I can I can write. And um, that's something that has been, uh, you know, a major bright spot in my recovery is, is the creativity that um, sobriety has unleashed in me. Um, so I, I like to write every day and I'll get up. Uh, before the kids and I'll, I'll write until they wake up. And then, uh, you know, getting those kids to, to preschool is a, a job unto itself. But then uh, my, my day job is uh, I teach literature at an all boys Catholic school in suburban Maryland, um, where I also live. So uh, that keeps me pretty busy. But um, yeah, the, the main bookends of, of my day are writing in the morning before anyone gets up. And then after everyone's asleep, I read. And, uh, you know, I read until I, I fall asleep. I find if I'm reading something good, it'll, it, it, you know, it'll be keeping me up. Um, you know, other than that, um, you know, the, the family life just fills up weekends and, uh, you know, it just never ends. So that stuff is a constant, you know, barrage of activity. Um, I, I keep pretty busy, I guess is what I'm trying to get at, you know, yeah. and uh, I, I don't know if I could stay sane. I don't, Omar, I don't idle well, if you know what I'm saying. Yep. Um, I, I really don't uh, do a good job of just sort of, you know, settling down and being uh, inactive. Um, I, I, I sort of need a constant uh, you know, schedule of stuff and things to do and think about and meet. And, you know, I, I, I live for all that stuff. So um, I do have a pretty busy schedule. You know, what I love too is that one of the things that we dove into in the and got quoted quite a bit in my last episode with Tommy Rosen is that mm. as much as we don't like structure in the beginning – Right. We thrive. Mm. We absolutely thrive in structure as addicts. Right. Yeah. The more structured we are, the more we thrive. We yeah. think we don't want, you know, because we, we categorize structure as something that somebody else is giving to us or putting on us. Right. So right. pushing against the machine is one thing. But for me, right. structure is key. Right. Like my yeah. whole week has to be structured. I have to know where most of my week is going to before I yeah. go into it. Right. Yeah. Or I'm all my anxiety level already goes to the roof. I can't enjoy my weekend. Right. So my Google yeah. calendar is is my best friend. 
is my right. absolute breath strength. So I get it. So now another thing I want to ask you too is I'm curious because you talk about you play pickup basketball, you got a writer's group, you go to 12 step meetings. So you've got a hobby, right? A sports hobby that you do that probably keeps you right. in good shape. Then you've got this writer's group that I'm curious about. How many people are in that writer's group? Yeah. Uh, on and off, it's six. And um, we read, you know, roughly a chapter of a book. Um, we read three of those every week. So, um, you know, I'm submitting something new that the group will discuss about every other week. Okay. And uh, yeah, that's another thing. I mean, I'm, I'm religious about that. I mean, I, I, I don't miss those. I don't miss those meetings unless there's a death in the family. Um, because, you know, it's, it is, it is really important to me. Uh, and it's, I, I know it's hard for people to understand something like that could be taken so seriously, but uh, it's just, uh, it just, I need it, you know? No, that's just my point. And that's why I wanted, that's the, yeah, the light yeah. bulb went off because a lot of what we talk about and a lot of the, a lot of the success when it comes to recovery, when it comes, especially when we're discussing 12 step recovery is being a part of, it's the community aspect of the recovery program. So by myself, somebody can hand me the big book or hand me a basic text, right? Or hand me some sort of 12 step literature, say, go home, work your steps, right? And, and, you know, you'll be right as rain, right? But the, the reality of it is, is the only way that you, they suggest not working the steps is by yourself. Okay. And mm -hmm. a lot of the, a lot of what happens, a lot of the magic that happens in recovery is the meetings after the meetings. So that has to do with community. Mm -hmm. So how, when we talk about, you've got three activities that have to be done with people. Basketball is with a whole group yeah. of people. It's, it's camaraderie, yeah. it's competition, it's friendship, it's all that kind of stuff. The writing is six people in there. You guys are meeting, you guys are talking, fraternizing, right? The whole thing. 12 step. It's the yeah. same thing, right? How important is community for you? Uh, very important. Um, I like the way you put that question. I think that's, uh, incredibly important. If the, you know, opposite of a, of addiction is community and connection, mm -hmm. then, uh, it's something, you know, I'm glad we're talking about, um, between my, my school community, my, uh, the community where I live, where I'm raising my kids with other parents who are raising their kids, like you say, basketball and, you know, from listservs to, you know, the, the, all these different communities I am in, they all hold me accountable, you know, in a different way. And I think that's really important. Um, it's almost a, a, a daily accountability thing. I mean, somebody is counting on me in one way or another, almost every breath I take. And, um, at times that can be overwhelming part. It's a gift because I, I have to show up every day. Um, you know, I'm expected places. Um, I'm responsible for people. And with all of that circulating around my, my schedule and the things I'm planning and thinking about, I mean, who's got time to think of a drink? Correct. Right. Which is my whole point. I, like, I, yeah. It's like, it's like I get so wrapped up in life that um, drinking and, and drugging, which used to be the only thing I, I knew and the only thing I cared about. 
uh, become the last thing on my mind. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I think I think it's very important to have a community and have people who, uh, you know, kind of expect you to be places. And it's important that, you know, as, as recovering addicts, we show up when we're expected to and that we make a habit out of that. Um, so I think it's very important, like you said. Okay. So then listeners, right, and those watching, right, the, the, the most important facet of all this is that there's always something that you can complain about in any situation. Okay, that's part of being a human being. Okay, when we first get introduced to anything, we want to push back. There's something that somebody's going to say that's going to make me feel uncomfortable and I'm not going to like it. Mark's got three things that he does on a regular basis that he can pick and choose from at any given moment. And if he wants to lean in on one over another, he's got the opportunity to do so. So for me, as far sure. as when it comes to recovery, right, it's for me, especially early on, the more you can be involved in community, the better. So if you don't, if you're, if you've got three, three opportunities to participate in community, if two of them piss you off, you've still got this other one. Okay. Cause a lot right. of people are like, I, I just hate the meetings and I'm just not going to go to the meetings and I don't like the people in the meetings. I got nothing else. Find a basketball game, find a writer's club, find a reading club. You know, a book club, yeah. you know, find something that you can plug yourself into and you have a place that you can go mm -hmm. communicate with other people and just like, just get that human connection and energy going regardless of what it is, right? It, I like to remove the dogma from everything. So if we just take it and we just use the principles of being connected with other people, then any one of these three areas will work. If I'm in a writer's club, right, and I'm, and they're holding me accountable and it's something that I'm passionate about and it's something that I can shift my energy away from the alcoholism. If I'm playing basketball, I'm releasing all these endorphins, right? Whatever that I, whatever I'm using that'll allow me to push away from the addiction, push away from the cravings, push away from the loneliness, push away from the mm -hmm. isolation and, and, and connect myself with other people, then this is another way that you can go. What do you think about that, Mark? Mm. Yeah, no, I think you, you're hitting it on the head there. It is not, uh, you know, going, going to meetings or, or just finding one outlet for your time is not the end all be all. I mean, and especially it, nowadays we can connect in so many different ways and what, however particular our interests are, there's a group out there that we can share our interests with, right? Like if uh, all you do is love to crochet, you probably can go out and find a, 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 you know, a knitting circle to join. I mean, you know, so, so you, whatever your passion is, it is shared by other people and connecting with those other people is so critical. I agree with you a hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So this is good. I love the way this started off because, you know, yeah, I, yeah, it's good talking to you though. We, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I am a, I am a, for all the listener, I am a long time listener, first time caller. You know? <laughs> uh, he is a long time listener, guys. And it's funny because I've watched him and uh, I think you just, did you just celebrate some clean time? Yeah, I, I had 10 years in October. 10 years, right? And I'm pretty yeah. sure, and I can't even remember what it was. Something sparked me, right? But, he, you know, Mark's one of those guys that's been active for years, 
in the in the share recovery network and it's and it just i was like why hasn't mark asked me to be on the show yet right so i, I you know i reached out to him right and, and 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 it was like well you know i'm waiting to publish my book fuck that you know let's go <laughs> i want to hear your story yeah. man and so do the other so do the other members all right so now we're going to talk a little bit about the disease right so um number one um oh no no, we're not going there yet. Um, spiritual condition. That's very mm. important to me. And I don't know where that sits with you, but I always like to ask, how do, how do you maintain your spiritual condition, that conscious contact with your higher power? Um, three ways, you know, prayer, meditation, and working with others. Um, I, I'm a big believer in prayer. I, you know, recovery has revolutionized what I thought prayer was and what it could do for me. But, um, you know, I, I understand prayer. I, if I'm if I'm either praying for for other people and uh, when possible, you know, I pray from my knees to demonstrate humility um, that, uh, you know, I am less than the creator of the universe because um, because. I need a reminder of that every now and then. Um, and, uh, if, and if I'm praying for myself, you know, I pray for things like, you know, courage to do the right thing. I, I, I pray for, you know, uh, for, for my nerves to settle. If I'm worried about something, you know, I pray for the, for the internal things, not the external things. And I, I, I have found answers to my prayers in, uh, just, miraculous ways um i've said things that i that that I, I never thought i would say um i've done things i never thought i could do um literally out of body experiences where i get the sensation that i am looking in at myself saying the words that i'm saying in the moment and it's um none of this started happening until i started praying um you know, and meditation is important to me. My favorite definition of uh, prayer and meditation is prayer is asking and meditation is listening. You know, so there's not much good in doing nothing but praying if I'm not going to meditate and try to listen for an answer. Um, and I've had a back and forth relationship with meditation. For a while, I just said, well, you know what? I write and I wake up an hour and a half before the kids and that's my meditation. But, uh, uh, you know, I've lately, a friend of mine got me to read a, uh, one breath at a time. Actually, uh, uh, Matt, who's pretty active in, in the, the share group as well, got me to read uh, One Breath at a Time by Kevin Griffin. And that has helped me kind of go back to traditional meditation where I'm getting quiet. I'm uh, getting mindful. Uh, I'm concentrating on my breath. And another thing that book did was, was totally expand my notion of what meditating is. I meditated the other day. I mean, my, my baby girl who I love to death was having a tantrum as all, ba as all, as all three-year-olds do. Mm -hmm. But um, I sat there I sat there, and I know that this is going to last for a couple of minutes. There's nothing I can do because she's in a tantrum. So I sat there, I closed my eyes, I got quiet and I meditated, you know? And I, I allowed that, you know, her screams to be the screams of a, of a toddler who's got to go through this at times, no matter what I do or say, you know, and I was able to just sit there and accept the fact that she's screaming. And it was one of the most profound meditations I've ever had. And 
you know, it was done over a screaming child, you know, so it's, it's, um, moments like that. I find, you know, uh, I try to sneak in that meditation wherever I can, where I just deliberately, uh, cause, cause I, I won't do this. I will start in the morning. I will get up early. I will start writing and I, I will, I will go from one thing to another and I will stay busy, uh, until I crash at night. And, Oh, that is not sustainable. You know, <laughs> it, it, it really, it really is. I mean, I mean, I have pushed the limits of that. Um, I resemble know, that I, remark. I, I, <laughs> so it's like, man, I need to, uh, I need to, you know, I need to take time and say like, no, you know, I'm not going to do anything for these next five or 10 minutes. I don't meditate for long, but you know, it's like I need, and I need to pause. And if there's a question I need to ask, I ask it and I, I get quiet. And the, the third thing I mentioned was working with others. And I think that's the biggest joy that my recovery has brought me in terms of, you know, recovery itself is, you know, getting to pass on the things that I've been taught to other people and helping newcomers come in and stay sober. Um, th- I mean, that is the most remarkable journey I've been on. It's like I get to relive everything I went through, but I don't have to relive the suffering. I get to relive just the good stuff. And, um, man, that I know, you know, that is a lifelong, I pray, you know, a lifelong practice is, is helping others, you know, especially in early recovery, um, get sober and clean. Dude, you know, I, I applaud you being able to meditate through a screaming toddler. You're the, the force. The force must be very strong with you, Mark. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. It wasn't as pretty as it sounds. I don't think, but uh, I, I at least had my eyes closed. I I wear these. I you know I have my tricks for for meditation, just because I I need to. There's always that bustle that happens right when you first start to meditate, and I'll yeah. I will go on a I will go on a on a roll. Where I, where especially when I'm conflicted or I'm, or I'm, I'm in a, and I'm in a state where I, I want to change something or I feel like I need to change something, right? And, and, but I've already got a very strong routine. So it's easy for me to be very consistent about my routine. But for example, mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks, I've been launching, uh, the new share recovery community platform. And so I've been doing what you were talking about right now. As soon as you said it, I was like, wow, I resemble that remark. Get up in the morning. And as soon as I get up, there's 12 um, things in my yeah. head, just 12 monkeys in there going, yeah. we got to do this. Got to go that. Check this. Go do that. Get." And I mean, it's like, boom. And you're yeah. right. It's from the beginning, from like the moment I get up until I crash, right? Mm. And it's not sustainable. Yeah. And on Sunday... I had to finally go and do what you're talking about and find that quiet time. And here, I put these on there. The, I, I never wear these when I'm doing <laughs> interviews because they're just the, there's these, these ridiculous, oh. and they're, they're, they're beats headsets where all the stuff, the stuffing has come off of them. Yeah. Uh, but they drown out the sound. So oh, I put man, those nice. on and I put one of those eye patch things on and I put oh, like cool. a 10 minute insight timer guided meditation. Oh, nice. And when that's done, I just, then I sit in silence and that allows Mm. me to drown it out. But I will tell you this, and for, you know, this as well as, as well as I do, when you get on the meditation train, you've done it long enough that your brain and your body 
get used to it and recognize when you're about to meditate and it it mm. it channels that state mm. it immediately like i'll recognize it it goes even though the brain is all chattery and i'm trying to it goes i know what we're trying to do because mm. it feels so good yeah you know there's that moment where where once you've done it for a couple of weeks in a row and you sit down to meditate you just whew, it's like transcendental mm. meditation just kind of you go into that galaxy, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be, and it's the most wonderful feeling. It's the thing that I can, I can actually qualify the closest to just being in the spirit realm. Mm. Eyes are closed, nothing else. I'm not listening to anything. I've got the earphones on just to drown out external sounds and the, and the mm. mask on to get as much light out of out of my way and just whew, go in and then it's like wow and what happens yeah. is you start to feel so good yeah. that you forget about it i mean that's me you know like yeah. weeks i feel fantastic and then all of a sudden i just i'll get up in the morning and i just start because i feel so good until eventually it's like oh my god something's wrong something mm. something is horribly wrong. oh my god i haven't meditated in a week <laughs> 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 quick come <throw them> on <laughs> dude but I, I can do it you know that's yeah. the thing if you guys if you've gotten to a point where you can understand what what mark and i are talking about then getting back into that zone is not as difficult mm. until you've experienced that just delicious sense of being one with spirit and the universe man you you you, you know you got to do it. You know, it's almost like being high. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Next I mean, best thing. it's, yeah, yeah. I hate to use that term, but it's, it's delicious. It's wonderful. All Man, right. So, I, I got it. I'm no. going to steal that, uh, the noise cancellation headphones. I'm going to use that and get back to you because I've never tried that. Dude, first, just find a five to 10 minute guided meditation and then it, it, use Insight Timer because when they're done, they do yeah. that little gong thing at the end. Yeah, I have that Insight Timer. There's something about that little gong that as soon as I hear it, I just go. I'm serious. <laughs> I'm gone for like 10, 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. And then I, I, I snap out of it. And I'm like, okay, now I'm uh-huh. ready for my day. It's not that long. I just, you yeah. know, I love having – this is why I have this question. So I can spend mm. 10, 15 minutes just talking about it. And reminding myself of how wonderful it is and everybody else. I think we're going to do a meditation. We're going to do a meditation uh, meeting inside that group for sure. Yeah. That's a good idea. I love it. I love it. Hmm. All right. So, Mark, how much clean time do you have? When is your anniversary date? Uh, Ten and a half years. My first day clean and sober was October 13th, 2008. 2008. October 13th. So every once in a while, it falls on Friday the 13th. Or, uh, wait, no, 2007. 2007. Yeah, yeah 2007, not 2008. Because I was 10 years sober this October. Correct. Yeah. So last year. My math uh, is shaky. Buddy, listen, there's no judgment <laughs> here. All right, so uh, before we dive into your story, Mark, quickly tell us how old you were the first time you drank or used drugs, and more importantly, how they made you feel. Yeah, the 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 first time I drank was at a sleepover with my buddy. Um and I couldn't have been more than 10 or or 12. And um could I could I could I uh I want to start with I want can I get into my story cuz I'll get right to that moment. 
But I want to explain. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's just let's just do that. So now, Mark, okay, it's time for me go. to turn this show over to you. It's time for you All to right. share your story, the battle of drugs and alcohol, the wreckage it caused in your life when you hit rock bottom, and then finally your journey into recovery up until today. So, Mark, take it away. Whew. All right. Here we go. Well, pray for me, though. Here we go. Already did. No, because because I wanted to um, the the first moment that I can remember where I was thinking alcoholically was before I took my first drink. Right. Mm. And, and, and I pinpointed this in my years of being sober and reflecting and working steps and stuff. And I, I, I would um, before I ever drank, I, I had this habit and I can remember being in our local delicatessen, right? You, you know, waiting for a sandwich or waiting for anything. And they have those little red swivel stools. And I'd, I'd sit on those stools and I'd swivel around and I'd look at the people around. And I can just remember this feeling of, I guess you could call it envy, mm. you know? Um, but it's this, I had this, you know, this very sick feeling that, man, I just wanted to be anybody but me. Wow. And, and, and it didn't matter. I, I, I could walk down the street and see a bum begging for change. And I would look at them with admiration because even they understood something I didn't, they could just beg for change. They, you know, they knew what to say. They knew how to act. Um, for whatever reason, I had this feeling that I was unfit for the world um, and unfit for my own skin sort of thing. And um, I, you know, I wanted to share that because that's where I was coming from when I took my first drink. Um, and I, I, the first time I got drunk was with m my friend at a sleepover. Um, you know, we, uh, took all the, all the, uh, clear liquors, you know, like the vodka, the gin, and we replaced it with water when we were done and we we're making highballs, you know, and screwdrivers. And, um, I, I, I had in my mind what it, what it took to get drunk or what that meant. So, uh, you know, me and my buddy were going and there was a point in the night when my friend turned to me and said, you know, that's enough. And, and I could remember being so uh, taken away with this feeling that I told him, I said, nope, it's not enough. And I got up and I put my arms out and I walked in a straight line. And I said, see, see, right. <laughs> I can walk in a straight line. Haven't you seen cops? You know, you're not drunk unless you can't walk a straight line. And and I. I drank more and I just drank more than he did. And my very first time setting out to get drunk, I woke up in my friend's basement with a Nintendo controller, you know, imprinted on my forehead <laughs> and uh, the Super Mario Brothers inviting me to press start on the screen. Oh, I uh, shit you not. I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm, yeah. you know, 10 and I'm waking up and my friend the next day is telling me all these things I can't remember. And I am saying to myself, yes. You know, like I got out of myself. I took, you know, there was this person that uh, took over and I could take my hands off the wheel. You know, um, I could take a break from being me. And it was exhilarating. Um, it was amazing. I loved it. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot said about the things, uh, you know, the way that alcohol doesn't work for us. But in a, in a lot of major ways, alcohol worked spiritual wonders in my life. Yes. Um, you know, the uh, St. Francis prayer, uh, mm -hmm. 
self-forgetting, mm-hmm. you know, by self-forgetting, we find, I mean, learning and, and, and learning how to forget myself through drink and stuff like that uh, was an amazing journey. And I loved it. And the, the, the thing was, though, it's not like my friend was sitting there telling me what a great guy I was being. You know, it's not like he was sitting there saying how funny I was, um, you know, when I was when I was blacked out. But that's not what I heard. All I heard was, wow, you know, I, I got to take a break from being me and someone else can, can uh, you know, step up and and suffer the way I suffer in, in my place for a while. So, you know, what I thought was this amazing solution to life. You know, it was actually just a blackout drunk. Um, and uh, so so that that really summarizes a, a lot of my approach to, to, to drugs and alcohol. And it it, it didn't get any better. I, I had consequences throughout high school. Um, I was able to get by because I, I loved that feeling, you know, getting free of all inhibition. I love that so much that I would. Um, do everything I could during the week, man. I, I, I hit the books. Uh, I was always into sports, you know, so athletics were big and I would do everything. I, everything I would work hard and I would work hard in order to get to that Friday night and to let it all go, you know, uh, to hit that oblivion, hit that point of no return. And, um, I, I realized there was a connection. As long as I take care of my business, you know, then I can have those, you know, total, total, uh, you know, moments of just uh, oblivion. And um, so I, I continued along that course, I guess, you know, summarize the work hard, play hard mentality. Mm-hmm. That, that, that was that was very much, uh, you know, my approach to life. Um. I didn't last long after college, though. Once I got into the real world, uh, <laughs> I I went out to L.A. I was going to be a screenwriter, right? So I pack up all my stuff. I go to L.A. I'm 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 sleeping on couches. Um, I, I lasted a year out there. Um, my uh, you know the supervisor where I worked was also my dealer, so it was um, very much the uh, <laughs> the work environment that people think of when they think about Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, my experience was pretty close to that. Um, so I was out there and, and, and I got to a point where, um, I was so going through these, um, bouts of, I guess, depression, if I had a better word, I'd use it, but you know, it was these bouts of, I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to, uh, go anywhere. I, I didn't want to see anybody. And during those times I was drinking heavily. I was all alone. And I was completely afraid, you know, I, I, I was, I was afraid to move. I was afraid to open my mouth. And then, you know, these moments would come and it'd be like, snap, like all of a sudden, uh, one or two things go my way. And now I am partying, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm in the Hollywood Hills and I'm going to work the next day and I'm schmoozing, and I'm doing this. And throughout that entire experience, I was drinking and, and I was surrounding myself with people. And I was scared shitless because I was scared shitless that, you know what, if I wake up the next day, I'm right back to that misery. So uh, I was just running scared and drinking and um, oblivious to what I was doing to myself. Um, 
it, I, I got to a point though, when I was living in Los Angeles where the, the, the weed I was smoking, you know, wasn't helping me be creative anymore, you know, and, and that shot of bourbon before bed wasn't putting me to sleep, you know, and, and the cocaine I was snorting wasn't uh, making me social like it, like it used to, you know, or so, so all these, all these, all these drugs, these habits I picked up that uh, at one point worked wonders for me, right? They all stopped working, but I couldn't stop using them, right? So, uh, so I, I got in this cycle where it's like, well, if I can't sleep, I might as well stay up, you know? Oh, I got a script to write. I'll just stay up all night, write my script, and then go to work the next day. Well, then what's going to get me through work the next day? Man, I got to take some trips to the bathroom, and I got to get to happy hour so I can meet them here and go off there, and then I get home, and I still can't sleep. So... I, I had this cycle that for me ended in a drug induced psychosis is what I was found as uh, my, uh, you know, uh, my, my best friend from college drove me down to Mexico. It was a mini intervention. And here's the crazy thing. though: I'm down there. It's Saturday. It's October 13th, 2007. I didn't have a drink or drug down there in Mexico. My buddy intervened. He said, don't bring any of this stuff down. And I was, off the reservation. I was batshit crazy. Uh, I went through withdrawals on my own. I sat in that bed and I sweated through the mattress and I, I was delusional. I was seeing things. I was hearing things. I didn't have a drink that day, but I was out of my mind. Right. Um, I mean, I narrowly escaped out of there. At one point I'm in this small Mexican town and I'm getting naked and I'm running around. I'm running around a church. No. Yeah. Thinking, naked. talking about the apocalypse. Wow. Yeah, I had I had one of those bottoms. I I almost got my life taken from me because I was on a on a a farm and this I was sitting in a truck and the farmer, the owner came back. And now take this with a grain of salt because I was clinically insane, but he comes out with a scythe, right? A what? And I'm here's the reaper. I mean, he's a he's a he's a farmer, right? But but I mean, I'm thinking that the Dude. end has come. But oh, as crazy as this all was, when when I stepped out of this guy's truck and he had his his blade, right? I thought to myself, finally, you know, I I was so ready to go. I was so sick. You know, that feeling of kind of being sick with who I was. Yes. And all that running I did from, you know, facing what I facing what I couldn't face. Man, I was ready to go. I was so relieved, you know. Man, I I uh that was my that was my lowest moment, man. I was ready to die. Um, I was hoping I'd die, and uh, he didn't kill me. He uh, he put me in his truck, and he drove me back to the cabin where all the white people stay. And my friend drove me to San Diego and uh, admitted me to a psychiatric facility, man. And that's where I got diagnosed and spent a couple days there, still sleepless, trying to figure it out. But uh, got sent to a 28-day rehab, and uh, that was the last thing I thought was my problem was drugs and alcohol. <laughs> I couldn't believe they're oh, dude, they're sending me to a rehab. You got to be kidding me! I thought I was going to have to go solve all the world's problems. You know, I thought I was immortal. Um, and uh, so that's where my recovery journey started. Was at a 28-day rehab, um, and I, I still remember like a couple days in, right? And you got all these grown men. I mean, I was the youngest kid there, you know, I was 24 and these were all grown men with real problems, you know? And, uh, 
I felt like I had nothing wrong with me. I was just kind of, you know, on this little break vacation so I could, you know, get myself together again. Right. Um, I would not admit I was an alcoholic. I would not admit I was an addict. I was not admitting anything. People, I, I was snubbing people. I, I wouldn't let anybody near me because I was so fragile at that point. Right. Um, I, you know, I was so close to being discovered, you know, and, and the crazy thing about a rehab is you don't, you got no place to go, you know? And, um, like three days in, they gave me a, a prayer to read, right? Uh, slow me down, Lord, as what the prayer was, right? Which is the perfect thing for me to read, right? Uh, and I, I, I was had in my hands, right? And I couldn't read the words. It was like the letters, you know, probably because I hadn't slept in a week, right? <laughs> the letters are floating around, right? And I can't shake it off, you know? And for all that pride I had, and all that, I, oh, I got this. I got this all figured out, man. I couldn't fucking read. So uh, I had nothing left to say. So I said, my name is Mark. I'm an alcoholic. And the entire group, <laughs> all those men in unison go, yes, you are. Right? <laughs> uh, which is, I guess it's what that was tradition, right? When, when punks like me go in there and refuse to admit it. So they all, less you are, man. And I laughed, right? For some reason, uh, you know, I thought this was this big deal, like this secret that I kept in or something or this thing I refused to admit. And they said that, man, and I laughed and I felt a relief that no drug can give me, you know, man, no, no drink can give me that relief that I felt. I, I, I didn't feel uh, like I didn't fit in. I felt like I was exactly where I needed to be, like everything just slowed down. And it was like, man, this is this is this is it. And. I try, to, I try to stay close to that because as long as I have that going for me, the community, right, the honesty, as long as I have that going for me, man, everything else falls into place, you know. Um, so that was where things turned around for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I try to always keep that moment, you know, in the front of my mind uh, for how this thing works, right? Dude, you know. God, I've done this for over three years, and there's only been a few that parallel my story, right? That hmm. I remember it was the cocaine, it was the drug-induced psychosis. I've even, I, I can't tell you how many interviews I've been on where I say it finally got to a point where I was in a drug-induced psychosis. I wanted to start my own religion. Um, <laughs> I, was, yeah. I, was, I thought they were chasing me. I, I started throwing all my clothes out of the car because I thought it had little tracking devices inside my shirt, and my my I watched Enemy of the State. So I tell yeah. it, you know, you know what I mean. I'm driving around in my underwear. Yes. Okay. So I'm listening to your story, and I'm like, dude, I had no idea. Yeah. Mark's, you know, had exactly the same thing happen to him. Mm. Right now, now you know why I'm. Uh, I've been a lifetime listener ever since I heard your story, and I said, well. I mean, this guy's got my life in it, and I got it in my pocket whenever I need it. There it is. There it is. <laughs> yeah. There's so many like great takeaways in this story. Um, let me see here. Where do I want to? Where do I want to pick up from? Because I love that Grim Reaper part. I mean, I'm totally picturing you naked running around some some guy's backyard, right, in another yeah. country, 
Yeah. Can't speak the language, right? right. In a, in a drug induced psychosis. And there's yeah. the Grim Reaper. If that's not a spiritual awakening, I don't know what is. Yeah. You know, but Amen. here, here's, here's where, I, here's where I started taking notes. And I wanted to ask you as soon as we got there, because you talk about not wanting to be yourself. As yeah. long as you can remember, you know, you would have rather been a bum on the street because at least he knows who he is, you know. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I used to say this too. I go, man, I, I, I would have traded places with anyone. I would have traded places with a gardener because he had a better tan and was in better shape and he had a full head of hair, you know. Mm. And it was just a constant me comparing myself to others on a daily basis, constantly, you know, like you're talking about sitting in that red chair and comparing yourself to people, you know, in the restaurant, right? Um, were you ever able to identify where that suffering came from as a child? I don't think I've, I ever took it beyond that, uh, that moment and that, uh, that feeling. Um, no, I, I've never gone really, uh, too much deeper than that. Uh, uh, I, I think I could though. I mean, I've got plenty of, of life to live, I hope. And, uh, you know, plenty of time to think about it. So, well, because uh, here's, this, this, this is the thing too. You know, you know, when I coach people and I hear stories like this, it immediately triggers me, right? And not triggers me in the sense of it triggers, you know, my own story, but I immediately go to when I am trying to not be me. And all of a sudden, I'm using drugs and alcohol to become somebody else. The truth is that you're not trying to become somebody else. Mm. You are trying to connect with the most authentic version of you. I call mm. it, I call it one drink Mark or one drink O or one drink Steve or one drink Jan, right? It doesn't matter who it is. When we, when you take that first drink and it hits the dopamine, or you do some coke, or you do whatever it takes, and there's that window of time, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, depending on what you take, right? There's that window of time before it really kicks in, and the ease and comfort just kind of wafts over you. And now all of a sudden, I can say whatever I want to say, I can think whatever I want to think, I can can just, I can be whoever I want to be, but the truth is, who you're trying to be is you. You're just trying to be you, and somewhere along yeah. the way, you got lost, and either somebody told you it was not okay to be Mark, and you believed it, and you've been trying to connect with Mark your whole life, mm. and that's what that drink represents. This is where, like, when I'm coaching somebody, I see the light bulb go on. I go, you're just trying to be yeah. you, man. You're just trying to connect with the most authentic version of yourself, and it's liberating and it's free. And I usually ask people, you know, tell me the, the traits that are reminiscent with that, right? Like, what does it feel like to be that person, right? Yeah. And it's usually these amazing character traits, right? Like, for example, when you were, you know, in those first couple of drinks, right? How were you feeling? Man, um, I love that. Oh, yeah. What an, yeah, I love that idea. Um Man, I'm going to steal that, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to use that to help someone the way you just helped me. Uh, that's a great thing to think about, um, and that that's so true for me. And, and you know, it's like getting sober. I, 
it's great. It's great to go around and, and, and share about the fact that I have found that thing. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've become an authentic me. Um, I like who I am. Uh, and all this stuff is absolutely true, but man, I gotta say when, when things get dark in my life and I'm not talking about external things happening, but when I go through those moments that I go through, um, you know, the, when, when, when I, when I experience symptoms of depression, right. Um, it's usually some symptom of, of what you're talking about, you know? And, uh, it's just so it's, it's, I love the way you framed it and I'm going to have to go back and listen to this podcast, I guess, cause <laughs> I gotta, I gotta write down more, uh, but man, that, that is it. It's the, it's the one drink mark. It's the, um, it's I'm the trying first. to yeah. I'm trying to encapsulate that moment. I'm trying. Yeah. To, how long? How can I re-encapsulate this moment? How can I encapsulate it? And how can I? How can I extend it as long as I can? And I can't. The thing is with the drugs and alcohol, you can't. But you don't realize that's what you're trying to do. You don't recognize that you're just trying to take this moment and extend it out. Mm. And then once you pass the next drink or you know hit the next line or whatever, boom, oblivion. Yeah. All bets are off. Now it's now it's I don't even know who that is. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You overshoot the mark, right? You, you overshoot the mark. So so here's the thing. Anxiety, anger, mm. depression, these are all natural emotions that are your own authentic version of yourself trying to tell you you're focusing on what you don't want instead of focusing on what you do want. Right? It's a simple formula. I feel anxious, right? And I don't want to feel anxious. Fuck it. Be anxious. Be excited mm-hmm. about being anxious. If you're anxious or you're depressed or whatever the case may be, it's like, oh, focusing on what I don't want. Okay. So yeah. what is it that I'm focusing on right now that is putting me in this state? And then how do I recalibrate and start focusing on what I do want? And mm-hmm. the way to frame that when we talk about reframing is as simple as, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't want to deal with this. Like I'm, I'm behind on my mortgage. You know what I mean? So now all I'm focusing on is, you know, I'm, I'm two months behind on my mortgage. And that's, I wake up every single morning anxious, terrified, afraid because I can't pay my mortgage. I'm focusing on what I don't want is to be behind on my mortgage instead of, okay, what I do want. Well, I want to be on time. I want to, I want to go ahead and, 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 and get caught up with my, with my mortgage. Right. Yeah. So now the question becomes, okay, so what is it that I had to do? What is it that I need to do? What steps do I need to take? And this is a very simple exercise right now because I can't think of anything else at the moment. Right. But as soon as you start shifting into a solution based mindset mm-hmm. instead of the problem based mindset of, Oh my God. Oh my God, I'm going to lose my house. Oh my God, I can't pay. Oh my God. Right. Like uh, that's, I'm not, I get frozen and paralyzed. To break out of that paralyzed state, I have to go into action. Mm. Okay. And this is where like going to a basketball game or going to your writing course or going to a meeting, right? And start the step of, I'm in this pickle. Don't know what to do. Love some suggestions Mm -hmm. or going to the basketball game, playing all out. And letting the endorphins kick in, right? And pff, something happens to break the state because we want to do a pattern interrupt. 
right? That's the whole, that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. It's like, how do I, how do I break the state? How do I do a pattern interrupt? And how do I stop? And how do I ask myself, Oh my God, I'm focusing on what I don't want. I need to focus on what I do want. And then the shifts starts to happen. And that's where your network is key. Your network, who your friends are, you are the average of the five people you are the closest to, the people that you can reach out to in an instant, right? That you can pick up the phone and say, dude, I am in a jackpot right now. I'm heading in the wrong direction and I need somebody to reel me back in. Here's the direction I want to go into and I just don't know how to do it, right? And so those are the things that start to, as soon as I start to see this kind of stuff, man, First thing I'll do is like, okay, well, let's go back into your childhood. And when did the suffering start? When I hear a word like suffering, 10-year-old, where does that come from? It came from somewhere. And I'm thinking about getting, I'm, I'm thinking about disconnecting at 10, something happened. You know, and it could have been something either very subtle or something so traumatic that there was a shutdown and it's just in the peripheral. Not in the peripheral, it's in the subconscious. Right. And all I know is, is it starts to make its way to the front. I start to look for a way out and drugs and alcohol is the quickest way to do it. Right. So, you know, this is, this is a great like episode in the sense of like just connecting with somebody like my, like my twin brother who Mm -hmm. has, who is much younger, better looking, has a full head of hair. Right. (laughs) But, but has had less shine though. Yeah. A lot less shine, dude. It's a good thing. But, but, We've lived the same life. Yeah. I would have traded places with anyone yeah. before I even started drinking and using. Yeah. And then I started drinking and using, and then I was perfectly happy with me. Right. I love me all of a sudden, right? Until it gets bad. And then I go back to, oh my God, I need to, phew, God, I need to trade places with anybody or worse. Mm. I'm ready to just check out. And I love what you said about the Grim Reaper. Because I have been there, man. Yeah. I have been there where it's like, thank you. It's finally here. I'm ready to go. Take yeah. me, man. I yeah. am so tired of doing this. And it, no, yeah. it, it hasn't served me in a long time. And it used to be the solution. And now it's just the problem. Yeah. That's exactly it. You got a lot to write about, Mark. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, got a, I got a lot to think about after this one. I feel like I've been having a free coaching session. I love, I, I love these things, this uh, pattern interrupt. I'm writing down all these phrases for myself to think about. This is really good. Well, I, you know, the, the thing is that I, I was like, I'm blessed. You know what I mean? Like I, as soon as I started moving in this direction, um, I hired a coach at one point. And these questions started to come up and my life just started to change instantly. Hmm. Instantly. As soon as I started challenging these thoughts that I've been carrying around for years and all of a sudden I get to put them on a stand in a courtroom, right? And, and, and there's a jury and there's a defendant and there's a plaintiff and there's defense attorney. And I mean, there's the judge, the whole thing's there and there it is. And I get to put it on the stand cross-examine it, right, and really, right, challenge these thoughts into a point where it's like, this is not truth. Yeah. This is not truth. The reality is I've been searching for me all my life. Think about who you are. You went to L.A. to become a screenwriter. Your gift is your ability to write. That's your gift. And somewhere along the lines, it it somehow did not make the cut. 
Yeah. Right? Like it wasn't like, well, I like writing, but it's a nice hobby. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to make a living off of this. You know what I mean? Right. Probably some thoughts like that. Right. And even when you did live, that's a pipe dream and I'm living on a couch, right? I'm doing the LA thing. Right? right. But at some point when I actually give myself permission and say, are there other people that are successful screenwriters? Hell yeah. <clears throat> that make a ton of money. Oh yeah. Uh, why not me? Right. You know, and so we move in, we move into that direction. Everything becomes, I'm going to challenge every thought I've ever had since I was a child that I can remember that has been holding me back that I made a decision to allow it to become a limiting belief, right? Because everything that I do is me making a decision to allow it to happen in my life. And the drugs and alcohol were my savior. They allowed me to let, let go of all this crap and be me. Mm. So I don't fault it in the sense of for what it was, right? Like it's out of my life because it'll never do what it did in the beginning ever again. And I know that. But now with the awareness that this is what I was searching for my whole life, me. There it is. I love it, man. That's your good stuff. It's great, stuff, bro. Great yeah. stuff. I love the L.A. Dude, I, I was born and raised in L.A., dude. Oh, really? Born and raised. I moved here when I was 28 years old. I used to wow. work in Brentwood at a restaurant. You know yeah. what I mean? I, the whole thing, dude. Working with all a bunch of actors. Everybody there has got their, their, their uh, what is it, those pictures? The what is Profiles. It? The, 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 yeah, their headshots. Yeah. Yeah, we'd be at we'd be I'd be at work and everybody's comparing headshots and what do you think of these? You know, I've got an appointment yeah. next week with my agent, you know, yeah. and I'd be like, what a joke, right? <laughs> You're just a waiter, just like me, man, right? Yeah. Just get over what yourself. Was, where did you wait? Because there's that there's a there's a sports bar in Brentwood I went to all the time, man. It's like a UCLA bar. I used to work at a place called Olay L.A. in Brentwood. On the third floor above the California Pizza Kitchen, that was oh. diagonal, catty corner from the Mezzaluna. All right, I know where that was. I was working there when it happened. Wow. Yeah, dude, that was a trip. Hmm. I hadn't even I hadn't even started doing drugs yet. Didn't even, <laughs> you didn't need to be at that dude, point. I hadn't even, yeah, <laughs> I was I was in a daze. You know, living in LA, man, just living the dream, right? As a waiter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can make good money as a waiter, though. Oh, yeah. Until the dream comes true, you, you got something to do in the meantime. All right. So beautiful. All right. So, Mark. Yeah. I think I took over most of your interview. So, we're going to shift back to Mark, right? So, I'm going to ask you, it's, it's, we're going to start closing up. But what yeah. I want to do is I want to talk about, I'm going to ask you five questions about your early recovery. And I want you to respond with five answers that you can inspire and create insight for our newcomers. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hit me. All right. So number one, what was keeping you from getting clean or staying clean when you first got introduced to recovery? Denial. Oh, yeah. Um, flat and simple. Um, you know, it was the, uh, the iron face, the poker face, the nothing's wrong with me. I don't need help. I don't have a problem. You guys obviously have problems, right? Um, I had, I was always raised and to some extent, it's a great attribute I have today, but you know, I, I, I finished things. I solved problems. I, uh, you know, I, I sorted out on my own and, um, this sobriety thing is not something 
that any one of us does alone. Mm. You know, in fact, going in alone is the problem. Mm. And that was a really long, hard lesson for me to learn. Um, I, di- I didn't just, uh, you know, get shipped out of Mexico and land in a chair and say, my name is Mark, I'm an alcoholic, you know, and uh, a magic show goes goes on, uh, you know, a flick of a switch and, uh, and I'm okay. Uh, it, was, it was a long, hard, uncomfortable road. And looking at the, the things in my life that I've never wanted to look at and um, making amends to people um, that I never imagined, you know, that I'm waiting amends to get from, you know, it's like, there's just, there's just uh, the program of recovery is, is just long. And, 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 and as you keep on uh, harping, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, um, my program of recovery just has thrown me into a community and uh, many communities. I mean, and um, that is just so critical that I'm, I'm not doing this alone. Um, and I, and there are things that I can't solve. There are problems that only other people can solve. And there are problems that only a higher power can solve. And I need to recognize those problems and let other people, let my higher power solve them. There's nothing I can do. And um, understanding that it's, you know, it's that paradox, man. It's uh, the surrender to win. You know, it's, it's, that has become my most powerful, you know, characteristic, I, I think, is, is being able to rely on, on help and get help when and where I need it. And that is a source of strength. It, it, it is not a source of weakness. To, to be, to be humble enough to say, you know what, like you said, man, you know, you're the, you're, you're the sum of the, you know, the average of the five people you're nearest to all that, like, man, you calling people when, when I'm uh, in a fix, um, that is the most powerful stuff because, you know, uh, uh, a burden shared is a burden half, man. And, and, and a blessing shared is a blessing double. And the more I can admit that I need help or that I struggle with this or that, or that, um, you know, the more I can get out there, man, say I'm anxious, you know, but like, and that's okay. You know, the more I can accept what is going on with me as what needs to be going on with me right now. Um, you know, the freer I become and it's not easy though. I mean, I still, it's, you know, I'm kind of glad there's no sort of graduating from this thing, you know, cause it's like, uh, I, I continue to have just new things to work on and uh, new things to think about. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for that. Uh, but it is an ongoing thing. And it's just about creating those habits, you know. It is an ongoing life is an yeah. ongoing thing. It's an ongoing learning process. Yeah. Until the day we die. Yeah. Otherwise, you go inward, mm. right? And the answers are inside. That's true. But when you're self-serving, the answers get weird. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they get, dude. <laughs> you get twisted. You might as well be in a drug-induced psychosis, <laughs> yeah. all right? Because when you start asking you know, when there's a problem and you go inward 
and you just stay inward, right? Yeah. It gets weird fast. Fast. Oh, yeah. It's okay to sit and meditate every morning, pray, ask for guidance, listen, right? But you got to get out and, 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 and be of contribution, right? We have to share what we've been given. We have to share what we've got. We've got to be able to help other people. As soon as we say things, as soon as it comes out of our mouths, it sounds very, very different mm. the minute it comes out of our mouths, especially the crazier it is. Like, hey, dude, I was thinking this. Like, wow, was I really thinking that? Right? <laughs> and then, or, or it's like, wow, that sounded a lot better than it even thought it was. Like, I thought it was going to, I thought that was going to sound mm. ridiculous. And that actually makes a lot of sense because we warp everything. Yeah. On our own. So that, that idea of being of contribution, right? Like you were saying, that spiritual connection comes with helping others. Yeah. We have to, right? We, we have to be in contribution because self-service, whew, yeah. dude, it is not, this is not a yogurt. This is not a frozen <laughs> yogurt shop. <laughs> this, self-service yeah. is not encouraged here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> Dude, this, you know what this that's too good. i love this one surrender to win i was at yeah, a, yeah. i was at a meeting on sunday there was two people in there talking about the second step mm. one guy went as far as to say he goes i'm having such a tough time with step two that i told my sponsor i'm willing to work Step one, all over again. I'm willing to answer 68 questions all over again, oh, not to go into step two. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, wow, wow. And then the, there was another person that was sharing. It's like, man, I, I get, I'm so emotional and I'm crying as I'm doing my step work. Uh, she was sitting right next to him and I was like, are you on step four? She's like, no, I'm on step two. And I'm like, what? Step <laughs> two? All you got to do is surrender. <laughs> yeah like what i came to believe like that's right. the most terrifying thought is like some people have such a difficult time with the idea of even coming to believe the pain yeah. goes into suffering dude like well, surrender people, to win bro people out there listening man it is so much better on the other side uh i know i know i believe me i had my i had oh man agnostic, mm -hmm. doubtful, mm -hmm. intellectual, you name it. Mm -hmm. But on the other side is faith. And man, that is where the good stuff is in my life. I mean, that's, that's everything in my life today. I love, dude, that is where the good stuff is. Yeah, man, it is. It, it feels so good. Let go. Let go, baby. All right. Beautiful. All right. So number two, at what point did you have a spiritual awakening, that aha moment in recovery, when you accepted you were powerless over drugs and alcohol, but for the first time had developed the hope that you could recover? So <clears throat> I had a, you know, I, I, I had a moment. I was pretty stubborn early on, um, and I was stubborn to admit, and then I was stubborn to go to work, and I was stubborn to look at these things and uh, stubborn throughout, but I, I went through this routine, right. Where, you know, the 12 step fellowship that I would go to, right. Sponsorship is included in that. And I'd go around and after meetings, you know, I'd be out there, you know, chain smoking saying, you know, yeah, I need to find a sponsor, you know, I need to find a sponsor. And, um, 
I would try and, and I'd work with, uh, uh, you know, a couple people and I didn't know I was doing it then, but now I see it every time they asked me to get to work on this tough stuff, man, I said, you know what? It's not working out. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I said, I told one guy that, you know, it's not going to work out because I thought he lied about how much uh, oxy costs. You know, it's like, it's not 40 bucks a pill. Everybody knows that. So it's like I, cr- I created all of these excuses and ways out of doing the work. And one guy said to me when I said, you know, sorry, bud, it's not working out. One guy said to me, he said, you know, Mark, sooner or later, you have to do the work. And then you know how um, you hear a bad song on the radio and you can't get out of your head for days and days. Man, I just heard it was everywhere I went. I just heard sooner or later, you have to do the work, you know, sooner or later, you have to do the work until finally I just gave in and said, fine. Right. Um, And I started doing the work and um, it didn't take long when I started doing the work to realize, oh, well, this makes me feel good. And um (laughs) You know, uh, I get, I, I, I go through, like, I was all hung up, like, man, this inventory stuff, right? Like why on earth would I go through and relive all of this, you know, this darkest stuff in my life? What point is that? And then I realized, oh, because I put it on paper and I don't have to relive it anymore. And it was, it was those moments where, you know, I may have, uh, you know, stripped naked in a Mexican church, but <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't necessarily call that a spiritual awakening. I would. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, that back then I'd be, I'd be feeling withdrawals and I'd say, Ooh, you know, uh, like thinking that, uh, I was waking up to the, to the sunlight of the spirit, but I, I was really just, uh, kicking drugs. Um, I found that this path of recovery has has led me, you know, more to a, you know, a daily uh, sustainable, you know, program of action um, that just, man, feels really good. I get closer and closer to, you know, uh, what you said, you know, the one drink Mark without taking one drink. I get the closer most, to that. The most authentic version of Mark. Yeah. I, 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 Mark. I mean, I, you know, I don't think there's any getting there all the way, but I could I could I could keep getting closer to it. You know, and writing helps me a lot. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I'd that's how I'd answer that one. Beautiful, beautiful. And man, talk about what newcomers need to hear. Period. Right? It's like it's not working. Man, yeah, that's not that's not working for me. It's because you're not doing it. How right. could it possibly be working for you when you haven't attempted to do it? Yeah, and there is this. There is these layers, these layers of limiting beliefs that lead to the step work that I have all these excuses lined up right in front of why I can't do it. Mm. And man, in so many cases, it's so deep and Mm. interwoven into the subconscious that you cannot think your way through this. You, there is no thinking, there is no convincing. You have to sit down and just do it. Mm. And then somewhere in there, you're going to get a spiritual awakening of the educational variety. Yeah. You start mm-hmm. writing, the miracle starts to happen, and mm. all of a sudden the light goes on. And you're like, oh, I think this is what they were talking about. Yeah. 
Yes. Beautiful. You know, it's, it's, and how long does it take, man? Yeah, well, it takes about a year and six hours, right? <laughs> well, a, a year of sitting around saying, no, I'm not doing it. And then six hours to finally do it and say, oh, well, this is awesome. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's just you got to get to it and it's worth it. Beautiful, beautiful. All right. So number three, do you have a favorite book you would recommend to our newcomers that you read in early recovery or you're reading out, whatever? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, so I'm reading, uh, man, I read a lot, you know. Um, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's like, it's my calling, man, to read and write. Um, my, uh, the book I'm reading now is great. It's called, uh, <clears throat> in, uh, you know, oh, and I'm forgetting the title, but it's In the Shadow of Hungry Ghosts by. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gabe. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, Gabor Monte. Yeah, Gabor Mate. That yeah, book the, is, is the awesome. The Realm of the Hungry Ghost. The realm of the hungry ghost, man, it's transforming my concept of addiction. Um, early on, I was suggested to read uh, Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz. Great book. Which, yeah, that 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 one, um, you know, those four agreements, uh, you know, be impeccable with your word. Mm-hmm. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. And, um, you know, there's a lot that he talks about in there about uh, the tape that we play in our mind, which you know, I, I can hear in your message, oh, too, it's, you know, it's those things we tell ourselves over and over again that oh. uh, we need to stand up to that voice. And um, and uh, that book was incredible. Also, uh, The Spirituality of Imperfection by uh, Ernest Kurtz is is an excellent book um, that has a lot of like 12-step spirituality and sort of where it came from. Yes, um, uh-huh. absolutely. Yeah, a lot of recovery programs that lean on this spirituality stuff. Um, it's all sort of put together in this book about how, you know, we're all imperfect and we're in broke and we're broken. And that's where our strength is, um, is, you know, is in admitting that we are hurt and broken and not trying to hide from, uh, that. And um, that's, and that is all in, in what we were talking about earlier in the sense of recognizing that, my brain does not have a way of communicating with me the way that I'm used to communicating. I'm used to having a conversation, asking a question and getting feedback. Mm. Your, right. your brain does not have the ability to have a dialogue with you. So it speaks to you through your body. Mm. So the depression and the anxiety and the overwhelmed and the anger and the frustration, that's your body is way of communicating with you. It's, it's a mm. very simple thing. And if we don't allow ourselves to go deep into the rabbit hole, as it starts to come up, it's one question. Mm. What is my body trying to tell me? What am I looking at? What is the thing that I am obviously looking at what I don't want? The question here is, what is it that I do want? Mm. And as soon as we start to reframe just that quick little 30 seconds of reflection, boom. The, once, once you create that practice you'll be able to completely reframe the thoughts in your head mm. and move forward. These are great books, by the way. The Four Agreements, awesome. Roma Hungry Ghost, super, super um, recommended, right? Gabor Mate is all over, the, all over the place when it comes to recovery. So those are some great suggestions. I love it. All right, so number four, Mark, what is the best suggestion you have ever received? Um... I think the thing, the thing that changed my life that I heard early on was, um, and this is, it's funny because this, this is so much reflective of the conversation we've had today. 
Um, but oftentimes that's it, right? Recovery is reading the same thing over and over again until it clicks. Um, but you know, you, you can't think yourself into a new way of acting. You've got to act yourself into a new way of thinking, right? Uh, there, there's no changing your thoughts by sitting there. You know, you've got to get out and do the next right thing. And, uh, you know, to put it in your words, you know, you got to interrupt that pattern, you know, actively, you got to do something. Um, you know, you can't just let those thoughts swallow you whole. Um, and, and the best way to do it, man, is to go, to go be of service, go ask, go ask someone how their day is going, you know, go, um, you know, go on the, you know, that share podcast accountability group and all the different networks that are, that are coming, you know, that are out there for us to engage with, uh, are all full of opportunities just to see what other people are going through. And, uh, it allows us to get out of our own heads. And, uh, man, that's, that's been the, the, the biggest, uh, you know, piece of advice that has really worked for me. The pattern interrupt. It's a state, a break in the state, right? As you get caught up in whatever emotional state you're at, that's a beautiful way to get out of it. Call mm-hmm. somebody and go, hey, man, how are you doing today? Yeah. And then just listen. That's a pattern interrupt. Yeah. Okay? It's all, it'll break the state that you're in, right? So that's mm-hmm. why people that are athletes, people that like, I'm going to go for a run. It's because it works. Right, Like I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling frustrated. I can't seem to piece together the answers or the whatever the case may be where I've got this meeting coming up and I've got to like, I'm not quite sure how to express myself. Oh, I'm going to go on a run. Mm. All they've done is just, if it's a pattern interrupt because I get stuck in a loop. I get stuck in this loop of I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go for a run. So your body, it's a physiological change that allows you to have a mental shift, right? Mm. It's all, it's so easy. The body and mind work together beautifully. Mm. But until you recognize how to communicate effectively with yourself, right? Then you will get stuck. Right. Right. And your body, and it'll just create more and more pain because it's like, you're not listening. So let me just make this more painful. Let <laughs> <laughs> pour it on. So pick up the phone. <laughs> Uh, all right so Uh, go no what Uh, i'm just gonna say man one of the the favorite things uh i wrote on that blog is a friend of mine died of an overdose and i was driving down um about three hour drive to his wake and um pick up the phone man i i went and went in my phone and i was i was so this is how i dealt with some anger right because i'm so pissed off at fentanyl and uh the proliferation of these things and um, people's misunderstanding of addiction. And it led to the death of a good friend of mine. So I'm driving, I'm scrolling through my phone and every contact info I had, man, I, I called everybody. Right. Uh, you know, so I, so I was writing about this experience of, I spent, it was three and a half hours there, three and a half hours back. I spent seven hours on the phone with countless people from every stage of my recovery, man. And I, you know, I, I didn't get into my friend much, you know, I was just like, how are you doing? What's going on? And, um, that's sort of what I had to do. I just felt sort of like I had to do it, but, uh, man, the power of picking up that phone, um, is, is really strong. And just, you know, if you're listening, I think, um, when somebody calls you, if you're able pick up the phone, that's all I'll say. 
Ooh, man. Absolutely powerful. That works absolutely on both ways. When you need it, use it and be available when somebody else does. Yeah. I love it. All right, Mark, final question. If you could give our newcomers only one suggestion, what would it be? The first drink gets you drunk. <laughs> not the fifth, not the seventh. I don't care what tolerance you have. If you drink like me, the first drink gets you there. Don't pick up. Beautiful. Go to a meeting, call somebody. And that is a wrap. <laughs> hey, could you, uh, oh, could you make sure you put somewhere in there to thank you so much for everything you're doing in the community? I wanted to say that at the jump, but I don't think I did. Say okay, it now. Just thank okay, yeah, Omar, man, th I wanted to really thank you for uh, being such a strong and consistent voice in recovery and providing all these outlets for uh, people to interact. I've met people through the share network and um, uh, it's just has been uh, a great journey. It's so uh, powerful to have resources like this in the palm of our hands because we are instant gratification seekers and to be able to have something in our pockets that is a solution rather than a problem is a blessing. So thank you. Dude, it is my absolute honor. The gifts that I have been given from this enormous amount of service, I can't, I, I can't even, I can't explain in words what, you know, doing what I do and, and producing the podcast and the Share Recovery Network, the Facebook group, the emails that I get, the private messages, you know, it's, it's overwhelming Right. But to recognize, you know, there's so many people that say, you know, if I could just help one person. And when you start to get into the realm of where you're helping thousands of people, it's mind blowing. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think it takes a it, it takes a certain amount of recovery too to be able to stay right sized because I have to always be no matter how many times I hear it. I always I always like it's HP, baby. Yeah. <laughs> God has given me an opportunity to watch him work through me. Period. That's it. End of story. I get to watch God work through me. That is how I see it. Yeah. And it helps keep me right, right sized, right? But I do. Thank you. Thank you. Because it is, it is a blessing. So, uh, off the record. Wait a minute. We're still <laughs> recording. We can do it after. All right. Okay. So, folks, be <laughs> before we close up, Mark. If yeah. somebody that's listening to this wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, uh, if you if you go to the blog, it's just markgoodson.com. I have all my social media outlets there. I got a contact form. Uh, if you want to send me an email, the contact form does it. Uh, you know, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Medium, Instagram, all these ways. Uh, you know, you can send me an email, and uh, and that that is where you know it all happens. That blog is a public thing, but uh, I love having those private messages where I get to you know, say the things that I can't say publicly and uh, really get to, uh, you know, business, you know, working and helping and sharing with others. All right. So folks, I'm going to have this listed on Mark's show notes. So just go there. I'll have the website, all his social media, click on whatever you want to click on to get a hold of Mark. It'll all be there on the show notes. All right. So Thanks. folks, we have, now so. we have now reached the end of our show. 
Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, Pura Vida. Pura Vida. Thank you for joining us on the Share Recovery Podcast. To check out the show notes page on this interview or to thank our guests for sharing their story, go to www.thesharepodcast.com. While you're on the website, don't forget to sign up for our free newsletter to stay up to date on the latest news, podcasts, and interviews. Want to be one of our guests and share your story? Then go to our website and click on the Share Your Story button. We share our inspiring recovery stories every Tuesday. So subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio to get your free weekly download. We'll see you then. The opinions shared on this show reflect those of the individual speaker and not of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. And though we discuss 12-step recovery and the impact it had in our lives, we do not promote or endorse any 12-step anonymous program.